Welcome to the Distrust and Disparities Podcast, Voices from the Margins of Healthcare. On this podcast, we will explore both current and historical cases of medical injustices within the American healthcare system. We will get into how we can overcome this systemic mistreatment, advocate for ourselves, and close the gap on poor health outcomes and disparities. I'm your host, Jasmine Moore, a registered nurse, and I am joined by my co-host and good friend, Camille White. On episode six, we discuss the dangers of the popular Brazilian butt lift plastic surgery procedure. We cover a notorious Miami clinic that performs many BBLs with some devastating results and the doctor who owns and operates this clinic, even though they are not a certified plastic surgeon. And we highlight Pretty Brown Girls, an organization that empowers black and brown girls while encouraging self-acceptance by cultivating social, emotional, and intellectual well-being. All right, so welcome to this week's episode. Last week, or the past two weeks, was a two-parter where we discussed Henrietta Lack's um, story. And, you know, we appreciate your comments and, you know, your discussion of the episode. A couple conversations with two of my aunts, like, both were surprised uh, about Henrietta and, you know, that she married her first cousin. So you you guys were just as shocked as us to learn that news. Um, but then also a lot of you guys highlighted that you didn't know about her story and also just the wonderful contributions that her cells have made to history and that also her cells are still being used as currently as, you know, to help with the COVID-19 vaccine. Also, my aunt Stacy, she brought up an interesting question. She wanted to know if any of the family, any of Henrietta's descendants, if they had any cancer themselves and if they had any um, strange mutations such, such as Henrietta cells did. And also, a lot of you guys were surprised that the family um, just filed their first lawsuit this past October. So, you guys want to know what's going to happen next. And, you know, we're excited to, you know, follow the story. And hopefully, like we said, we would love to interview somebody from the Lax family. So let's jump into this week's episode. How are you, Camille? Um, I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm good. So let's dive into this episode. So we wanted to talk about Brazilian butt lifts, how we came apart this topic I know like a few months ago, I had sent you the viral video that was going around Instagram of like all these women coming back from, I think it was like the Dominican Republic and Delta was running out of wheelchairs because all these women were having BBL done. So there was like no wheelchairs available. And you know, when you first see it, you think it's funny. You're like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, this is crazy. You know, I think it's a joke. And then you like read in the comments and just the discussion and you see stuff like they're like BBLs. They have a grip on our community, like what's going mm-hmm. on. And it's like you just, in general, just your Instagram and social media timelines are just flooded with stories of people getting BBLs. I think it was like, I saw like one story recently, like, young Miami from the city girl she got her mother a BBL surgery for 
her birthday and stuff like oh, that. Okay. So it was just like it's just becoming such a very popular and normalized procedure when it's not like, oh, you got somebody a facial for, you know, a gift, or even you got them like some skincare products or the old days with us of like, you got them some like Bath and Body Works products so they can smell like the the current um, popular fragrance. It's literally your, here's a gift of you will go under the knife and, you know, wake up with a bigger ass and a slimmer waist. And it's just <laughs> become so sort of normalized. We're just like, I'm sorry, what? That's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal to have like any sort of invasive surgery like that. But I can't imagine two people who are then, you're traveling to a whole other country where I feel like probably most of y'all don't even know Spanish well enough to be able to navigate <laughs> maybe having like an in-depth conversation with people there about like, what are the risks and what's all going on? Where it's like, okay, I'm sure that they're talking to you in English, but it would be better, I feel, to talk to them in their their first primary language of like, okay, what's really going on? What's really happening? And then to then turn around, I don't know how long you have to stay in the DR, and then you got to get on a plane and come back home and to, to continue to recover. It's just, yeah, it's funny, but then when you look more into it, it's just like, oh, this is a problem. We need to talk about this. We need to understand why right. people are so ready to just hop on a plane or just go sort of anywhere and it's wondering like how much research did you do about it and the influence that social media has on us and yeah like you were saying like it has a grip on our society and our community it does though it's just all over like social media tiktok you have people talking about like 10 more days till I have my surgery. You know, mm-hmm. YouTube videos are filled with videos of people, you know, doing before and after, talking about their recovery. You do have people talking about the good and the bad and everything. And then you have shows like Bodge that are showing like people, they show people that want these exaggerated figures. And then also people who have like these botched procedures for, you know, doctors that aren't trained to do these surgeries properly. Mm-hmm. And then you have like, it was I was looking up something like shows like Extreme Makeover that used to come on, you know, having oh, people get surgeries and stuff. I remember done. that show. It's just become so mainstream, and you mm-hmm. know, just the access the to plastic surgery and just the need and just researching like the history and everything about BBLs and just like learning more about plastic surgery. Um, you really need to do a lot of research into like your doctor and the actual procedure. And then also just like internal work of like, why do you feel the need to want this certain look and this procedure? Yes. And just assess the risks that come along with having these procedures. The way they make it seem on online, like surgery is just so quick and easy, but you're actually going under anesthesia. Mm-hmm. It's a major operation it's a huge operation where there's so many things involved or even the thing i remember i've seen plenty of stories where people will the same day that they're getting a consultation will then go into surgery where it's like that's no no you should never do that because there needs to be a whole work through of your history whatever medications you are on which you might be allergic to there's so many things that need to occur before 
you know, some 20 minute procedure of a lot of times some shady people will then tell you, well, here's all the extra things that you need to do that I think that is wrong with your body that I see. And then they'll tack those on. And what you thought would be one procedure that might last several hours, you sitting there under the knife all day, depending on who you're dealing with. But you know, you go to these doctors and they're like, oh, we can do all these extra things. Like you, maybe you just go in for one thing, like, oh, I want my stomach small. And like, oh, we can take that fat. We can put it in your butt and your hips and we can do all this. And like, we can do fillers. And then sometimes like people go in with like a friend and they're like, oh, if your friend wants to get surgery done, we can <laughs> offer a procedure on her. Like it's things where, you know, like moms, daughters, friends, you know, I saw online, like people were like, oh, we're getting our BB else done together and you know we're gonna heal and do this together like it's a whole act and like a, a group thing so it's just but we need to get away from immediate gratification especially when it comes to surgery you shouldn't be looking for a quick fix when it comes to surgery that should be like after thinking hard and long like you said about why you're wanting to do do it looking within not joining on a bandwagon because it's the trendy new thing to do and everybody's doing it. Because if you want a high quality result, you need to be paying for a high quality doctor who is a board certified plastic surgeon. Not just somebody who is a doctor. And yes, they went through schooling, but like, as we'll talk about, so many people out here because they got doctor in front of their name are just cutting up people saying how, oh yeah, I, I have the, I can do this, that, or the other. I remember even watching Botched, so many dentists were like offering procedures and doing like nose jobs and stuff. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? You went to a dentist to get a rhinoplasty? No, <laughs> no. Like I understand you love discounts and deals, but I'm sorry. Don't we all? Surgery is not where you want to cut corners and no. cut costs. You do not <laughs> want to buy like one, that. get one free. You don't want, you know, <laughs> special Black Friday deals. Like, no, you don't want that on surgery. You just, you just don't because that means in some way they're cutting corners that that's not something that you should want discounted because then i would wonder well what sort of service or treatment am i not getting because now you're saying that okay it's going to be a little bit cheaper Mm -hmm. i you have to think about that yeah and i was reading one article and it was just saying you know it used to be like this patient and doctor relationship, but now with the surgeries, it's just becoming a business. You know, they just want to do as many as they can, get you in and out, and you don't really have that connection with your doctor where they can have the time to explain the risk, what exactly they're doing, and, you know, just so you can, like, explore your options. And also, like, sometimes you you may not be a good candidate for these procedures. Like, yes. some women, they might be, like, too small, or some people... They may have like complications, you know, or it's just Mm -hmm. too risky or, you know, you want to do a lot and, you know, maybe you have to do it in stages, you know, but you're going to a doctor that's going to try to do all this and that they're going to put your life at risk. But Mm -hmm. like you said, you have to do a lot of research and, you know, looking at the procedure and at the doctor. And so let's jump into just in case if you don't know what a Brazilian butt lift tell you like exactly what a Brazilian butt lift and you know the name can be a little bit deceiving as well so 
A Brazilian butt lift is a procedure that involves liposuction to remove unwanted fat from one area of your body. Typically, it's like your stomach, your flanks, also maybe your thighs. So then they take that fat and they process it. And then they re-inject the fat into your butt and also sometimes like your thighs so you can get that, you know, rounded butt, snatch waist and, you know, big butt. Yeah. And so like the name says, I did do some research into like where did it come from and like the name says Brazilian butt lift so it originated in Brazil the Brazilian plastic surgeon Avio Petanagai so he is a doctor that is widely credited with the Brazilian butt lift so in 1964 he published a paper on butt lift surgery in that surgery he was able to remove unwanted skin and tissue and correct the sagging to the butt area. This sur- this Brazilian surgeon, Avio, he's famous in Brazil and also just like world renowned. He opened up a center to train um, plastic surgeons in Brazil and also throughout the world. So um, people, rich and famous people would come to him to get surgery done. And then also surgeons from around the world would come to learn his advanced techniques and like reconstruction um, skin. Um, In Brazil, they have something that's called the right to beauty, which basically is like plastic surgery. Plastic surgery is considered a basic healthcare need because, you know, you have the right to look good and to be beautiful. So I did research like in Brazil, they offer free or low cost plastic surgeries, but there's typically a long wait for these. And if you're getting it done in like the um, public hospitals, people say it's often like um, new doctors, you're kind of like a guinea pig. And a lot of people end Mm. up, you know, botch surgeries and everything if they go to these public hospitals but like I said there's also a long wait to have these procedures done because you know they value beauty and looking right so people are still willing to take these risks to have these procedures done in Brazil and um, so I think the U.S. is the number one as far as like plastic surgery and then Brazil is number two right behind us so I thought those were some interesting things that I learned while doing um, research on this procedure. Very interesting. Yeah, it is really interesting that like, because he was so famous that he was able to convince his country that like people should have a right to beauty and you're building in plastic surgery into sort of a basic health need. So BBLs, they're really popular, but then also they're really risky. Like we said, fat is re-injected into your gluteal muscle. The glutes have really large veins that you want to avoid when you're doing the procedure because um, one of the major complications of the procedure, like if you accidentally inject fat into one of those deep veins or tear one of those veins, that fat will um, be carried directly up to your heart and lungs and will cause like a deadly blockage, what's known as like a fat embolism. And basically it'll cause you to go into cardiac arrest and can lead to deaths, which was the case in many of the cases that we talk about um, later on in this episode. Mm. So it's really risky 
research shows that the mortality rate of the Brazilian butt lifts, it says about one in 3,000 patients can die. And it just has a higher mortality rate than any other plastic procedure. Um, it could be because it's so new or also like we talk about just inexperienced doctors that are doing these procedures without the lack of training. But yeah. it's really a, a risky surgery. It's super risky. And it's like, we need to understand that, like, you know, at one point in time, and they're still very popular, but like breast augmentations were really popular. They didn't have the mortality uh, rates like the BBLs do. And understand that, like, it's it's significant where I think a lot of people, you'd be like, oh, one in 3,000 people die from getting a BBL from whatever complications. But like, no, that's super high. If you're talking- a lot. If you're talking to a reputable like doctor, plastic surgeon, they would they would be like, yeah, no, like it's that's really high. That's really dangerous. And so many don't actually do it. They don't do BBLs mm-hmm. because they don't want to they don't want to risk it. They don't want to risk that for their patients. It's a serious thing. And that's what's even scary for me of that. It's the most dangerous plastic surgery procedure. And it's now the most popular one in the world. Yes, and only getting popular. And also, this is the death rate. Like I said, that's extremely high because I think just the complications, like you can be left like scarred for life. And also the recovery period for BBL is also very slow and painful. You know, you see on social media, it's like, oh, they got their surgery. Next thing you know, they're out and about in a tiny bikini, you know, just showing off all their curves. But it takes... It's a process to heal. Yeah, it takes time and it's not just overnight. You'll be up walking around perfectly fine, like depending to like just how it might affect you. You could, I remember seeing people saying how it felt like they were run over by a truck. Like you're doing something so invasive or even also people, I also didn't understand people willing to get it so quickly where you sit on your butt almost all day depending on what yeah. you do which, <laughs> like what type of work you have or if you're just chilling on the couch relaxing like you are on your booty so just imagine not being able to comfortably sit on your booty for weeks yeah. weeks you months sit directly on your buttocks for, they said up to six six to eight weeks and then also you got to wear this tight compression garment to keep everything intact and it's just like you know I've had surgery done and you don't want to wear anything tight and restrictive so just imagine how uncomfortable that is and then just if you have to like sit down to go to the bathroom and like taking off that tight garment and stuff like that and you know I've seen on TikTok the garment is just like bloody from you know after you have the procedure and you have like drains in place so Mm -hmm. you know you can't you have to have it on at all like you said the procedure is just increasing in popularity it said in 2020 alone there were over 40,000 butt augmentations and it says the number of bbl done the number of bbls done globally since 2015 has risen 77 percent that's that's crazy. That's only six years ago. And it's just, it's getting more and more popular. And I definitely think it's because of the influence that social media has and 
how often people are looking at pictures of others and you want to emulate that and you sort of go like, oh, I want that body. I want to be able to fill out a um, a, a garment, an item of clothing like they do. It makes me think of like the brand Fashion Nova where yeah. the way those models look and it's the unfortunate thing too of like, yes, a picture is worth a thousand words, but you also need to understand that you know, you have pro- professional photographers doing that. You don't know what those women are truly wearing underneath of those garments. They are like booty short sort of like that basically has what looks like a butt implant in it that they put on and then they put on like the jeans or the leggings where that's not really their real body underneath. Think of it like people wearing Sphinx where you want to like suck it all in. You want to look good for a special occasion. Do you, but also understand that just because you see a picture of somebody online and that's how they look in the garment, one, you shouldn't expect to always look like that too, but as well think like, is that really what their body looks like underneath? Because you're not seeing it. It's covered in clothing and you need to not always, you, you need to realize when you're sort of being drawn into a trap of like, you should look like this. This is how clothing should fit you. When it's just like, y'all realize that body type is not real it's not or like people using filters and editing things that's what i was gonna say photoshop photoshop (laughs) is out here and is 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 strong you like you think that and so many people too that you would think like oh why would you edit your photos where like you might see a picture of them unedited and it's like you're a beautiful person or you have like what is deemed as like a great body or an in-shape body and then you see what they edit their photo down to and it's just like girl you look like you got like four ribs missing what's wrong yeah and then you go and request the surgery to look like this Mm -hmm. and you think that you're gonna have those those results and you'll be you you'll be up on instagram taking those pictures and posting those pictures and you'll look so cute when and i bet you even if you you maybe you do get the results you want you're gonna still be editing those photos just like everybody else and you're gonna be trying to make it perfect when we need to move away from people expecting and thinking that their bodies will look perfect our bodies there's no such thing as a perfect body there isn't Mm -hmm. and we need to get away from having such edited photos. And I know there are a few like brands that sell um, clothing and undergarments that are trying to do that where it's unedited photos. Like, yes, you have stretch marks, you have cellulite. That's normal. It's normal. Now, if you want to get rid of those things, remove them, reduce the, the size or look of them, okay. But understand that is normal. What's not normal is to have like this flawless skin as though you just popped out the womb a whole like 25 year old woman and you ain't never right. seen a single mark or anything on your skin. Like you you never fell, you never got any scratch. Like that's not normal. That's not normal at all. Well, let's hop into the main story for this week episode. So while doing research on this topic of, you know, plastic surgery and Brazilian butt lifts, we found an investigation done by USA Today and the Nepal's Daily News. It's about eight women who have died after having plastic having a plastic surgery procedure done at these Miami clinics that were run by one specific doctor, Dr. Ishmael Labrador. In six years, his clinics have killed eight women. Dr. Labrador, he graduated from a medical school in Cuba 
1987. So he is board certified as an internal medicine doctor. So an internal medicine doctor is basically a physician who focuses on the diagnosis and treatment of conditions that affect the adult population, both acute and chronic. So if you get admitted to the hospital, uh, internal medicine doctor will be the one to see you. They cover, they treat a broad spectrum of topics, or they can also like specialize and treat one, say your cardiologist, that's a subspecialty of an internal medicine doctor. So he is not trained in plastic surgeon, did not complete any plastic surgery training. I was looking up like to be a board certified plastic surgeon. So plastic surgeons, they specialize in reconstructive techniques that improve the function and mobility. So most of the time when we think of plastic surgeons, we typically think of those that specializing cosmetic procedures that are meant to enhance the outward appearance but they do a lot of different things like you said the goal is to improve the function and mobility so a lot of times like say if you're in a burn or a fire you will need to see like a plastic surgeon so that you can get um, the function and mobility of your skin and the area in the part of your body that's affected Mm -hmm. but because like cosmetic procedures have become so popular and lucrative that's why you see most of the industry is performing these cosmetic procedures but then also a lot of people are claiming to be plastic surgeons and are taking you know weekend courses to perform these major operations and they're not qualified to be plastic surgeons. The market is saturated with consumers that want these procedures done. A lot of people are hopping into the plastic surgery and like places like Florida where Dr. Labrador works and, you know, opened all these clinics. They don't have all these regulations to monitor, you know, what's going on in the setup. Like people are opening up clinics and strip malls. (laughs) Which is just crazy where it's just like, so you could go get a BBL, your nails done. And like I said, a lineup, because you got the barber right there. Oh, and if you want a snack, you can go get a sub and some fries. Like that, I would question so heavily if you were driving even for a consultation and you like plug in the address and you get there and it's like, no. What we're not going to do is this, because this doesn't seem safe to me. Or what would you have put in like, a a rental lease space like that to make it where you're literally conducting operations. Like there's so many things that need to go into an operating room and it's being sterile and you're being safe. And I would just question so much where it seems like you wanted to really be cheap and, and, and rent the, the space that was the cheapest. And then you're just, you're just pumping out as many patients as possible. I wouldn't feel comfortable going there. No, (laughs) no surgery done no it just it doesn't seem right it doesn't seem right at all it doesn't so dr labrador he has a long history of medical malpractice and violations in 2007 he was charged with allowing workers with no medical license to inject chemical fillers into the faces of patients to remove wrinkles and a complication of this procedure it can cause blindness if done improperly Mm. crazy it is is. Mm. 
And then six months later, he was charged with hiring a foreign doctor without a U.S. medical license to perform invasive surgery on women, including vaginal reconstructions. It's just getting worse and worse. And as the story goes on, he's harming people and killing women. Yes. Yeah. So in 2010, um, the felony charges brought against him, they were dropped and he entered a court diversion program. They didn't give any details of what this program did or what exactly he had to do. Mm -hmm. But his license wasn't taken away. It didn't divert any of this negative behavior. No, it, it didn't shut down these clinics. It seems just like a slap on the wrist of like, oh, don't do that again. And then as we know, like we said, like 2010, well, he kept doing it. He kept doing it, but then it kept getting worse. Right. And it says the Florida Medical Board, they were investigating him as well. So they placed him on probation for three years and he also was fined $30,000. But you would think facing potential felony charges and jail time and this fine would stop him. But no, he just ramped up production and started opening up multiple cosmetic clinics. Mm. And then he started performing one of the riskiest procedures, the Brazilian butt lift. So, you know, business just began to boom because he's in Miami. A lot of people mm-hmm. come to Miami for surgery. You know, Miami, I was reading articles, is known as like chop shops because mm-hmm. you can get so much done and procedures. Mm-hmm. Just any and everywhere. At yeah. any strip mall, you can, there's probably a plastic surgery clinic. So they found that Labrador's clinics, they were run like a, like a factory assembly line where individual doctors were trying to see as many patients as possible and they didn't have any specialized training in these procedures. And they were trying to get as many procedures done. So like I said, the doctors that he hired, they weren't certified in plastic surgery and he paid them on commission. So they're basically salespeople. Salespeople right. get commission. You're not mm-hmm. you're not a salesperson. You're supposed to be a medical professional, a doctor hopefully, who's performing these procedures. You shouldn't be getting a commission. Ugh. Right. So you're getting a co- so when you think commission is like I need to sell more. I need to mm-hmm. be doing more procedures so that yeah. you get more money. So like mm-hmm. I said, they would have procedures done from morning to night. Out of 39 physicians that were promoted on their website, 24 were not board certified. Then also it was investigations that he had posted, like doctors that didn't even work at the clinic, like the ones that had the certifications. Some of them didn't even work at that clinic. So So you're just just using their information. Yeah, you're literally lying and scamming people, making them think like, oh, you have this person working at your facility. I can go to them because... They are board certified in plastic surgery when in reality, yeah, you're just stealing someone else's information to lure people in thinking that they're they're going to a legitimate place when they're not. Exactly. And you know how we said they were doing it on commission and they wanted to fit in as many patients in as possible. So doctors were seeing up to eight to nine patients a day doing these procedures and the procedures, this is like a two to three hour procedure. Mm. And they're doing eight to nine people like at night. The American Society of um, Plastic Surgery, they said the recommended amount is four because of fatigue. Like the more 
you're you're standing all day you're having these procedures mm-hmm. and just the longer you're there the greater chance of making mistakes just because you're tired yeah that's so dangerous where you're literally it's not even like oh you're going over like maybe one procedure of what is recommended you're literally doubling if not more what a whole society of plastic surgery says is best for Mm -hmm. for people to be completing and performing that that's so dangerous that's so reckless And it's just out of greed because it's not like you're doing any life saving procedures. You just no. want to get in as many get in as many patients as possible so you can make as much money. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, the doctors. This is a risky surgery already to begin with, and then doctors are taking weekend courses, like four day workshop in liposuction and a one day class in fat transfers. <sighs> That's so frustrating when it's just like, I don't know what, you know, because these are still doctors and they they have schooling and training and they spent years in medical school. But I know that you didn't have a significant focus on that specific thing of plastic surgery. And the fact that even like you think a one day course is like, oh, that's good. Also, who the hell is offering a one-day course? One. But then two, who is signing up for it going like, oh, that's all I need to start doing liposuction now. I just need to have this little certificate on my wall. Like you could complete some like risk management course offered by some like training um, facility that's all about improving like employees um, morale or whatever. Like, no, that's, that's not how this works. This is surgery. This is life or death operations and procedures. And you took all of one day to do a little training and refresher. And also, if you're a doctor, like, when did you become a doctor? How many years removed are you from schooling that, you know, it should be several months before you should be able to stick that huge liposuction needle into somebody? Right. And it's important to note, like, to be like a board certified plastic surgeon to qualify you have to it comes after six years of residency and safety training a four-day course a one-day course to qualify you to do one of the riskiest procedures some of the doctors are like dermatologists or pediatricians and they're doing these surgeries you know taking a course and doing these surgeries you can open up a clinic and just all you need is a medical license and you can do whatever type of procedure you want to do. That's so scary. That is so scary. Very scary that this is allowed to happen. So like I said, he's opening up these clinics with these doctors that aren't trained. Leading back to like 2013 to 2018, eight women who have come in for plastic surgery procedures at one of his clinics have died. And that's a significant um, a number. That's a huge number. That's a lot. Just from his clinic. So mm-hmm. run uh, by one single man. These are just the deaths. And, you know, that's a significant amount. Mm-hmm. Then also you have several other patients that have critical complications. And from the surgeries, including like punctured organs, um, just botched surgeries in general, and also mm-hmm. some of the stuff they weren't even reporting. So it may be more that we know of. Yeah. 
Because I remember reading too in the article where they're doing an investigation and looking into, you know, this person died. And if you went to the Florida Health Department, they might have not been listed as someone who actually died. And um, because some of these people were traveling to Miami and then they traveled home. And so maybe they went back home to a different state and they might have passed away there. That should still be noted in Florida that they were at Florida and they had a procedure in Florida that they died from. Not someone randomly dying in a different state and it's never counted, it's never noted, where I'm wondering then, have there been other people that have slipped through the cracks who who weren't Florida residents and went back home somewhere in, in the United States or maybe outside of the United States and whatever complications or possibly fatalities that happened aren't being acknowledged. Right. And you would wonder, like, why would people continue to go to these clinics um, after all these deaths have occurred? Dr. Labrador, he changed the name of the clinics multiple times. So Mm -hmm. after somebody died, he would change the name of the clinic. And so when you change the name of the clinics, it becomes even harder to find reviews and just connect the dots of, you know, what happened at the clinic, what was doing here. And then also they were doing aggressive marketing. They were also targeting a lot of people from out of state to come into these clinics. So if you're not from the area, You may not have heard of the clinics before and the doctors that are associated with Mm -hmm. these procedures. Yeah, social media, you have such a far and wide reach beyond what you used to be able to to have. Mm -hmm. You you can get people across the world interested in what you're doing and then they have no idea that like in that little community where you exist, people might know of the dangers of you, but they don't. Right. And then also they marketed their surgeries at low prices. So, you know, they're trying to draw people in with these amazing, you know, results. And then also at these low prices, like they were, you know, targeting younger clients and also minority clients and, you know, low income clients to come have these procedures done. They were marketing tummy tucks for about $4,000, butt lifts around in the $4,000 range, which is less than half or even more than half of the cost of these surgeries. That That's just red flags. That's red flags where why would you be offering something at such a discounted rate? And I think too many people are just like, oh, I'm getting a deal. I, mm-hmm. I'm going to be saving a lot of money. But like, no, this is not where you should be saving the money. Right. This is not, you shouldn't be paying half price for a medical procedure where you're going under anesthesia. You should not. Right. And the cost of operating a surgery room, you know, where you have to like scrub in the cost of anesthesia, you need to have like a specific, um, the anesthesiologist, you have the doctor that is performing the surgery. You also need nurses that are monitoring you like the pre-op area before you go under surgery to check you in, put your IVs to make sure you're fine. And then also the people in the recovery area to make sure that you're not having any complications to monitor you as you come down off of sedation. The cost of, you know, performing these procedures is expensive. So that's another reason why they are trying to get so many people in and out in order to, you know, make up these costs. They have to have so many people in. And also Mm -hmm. you're cutting corners because, you know, it takes time to turn over an operating room because that room needs to be sterile and other things need to go into to preparing an operating room and Mm -hmm. just 
doing that so quickly. Like you said, you're cutting corners or costs somewhere. Not like truly care about these people. They don't care about their well-being. Right. And they're preying on people who think that, oh, I can't afford these surgeries. You know, it's only for rich people. But then they're seeing, oh, these procedures are $4,000, $3,000. Like, oh, I can scrape together some coins. You know, I can gather my tax refund check mm-hmm. and go have a procedure done. You know, not thinking like this is way below the average cost of how much a procedure is being done. Like, you know, I'm just going to fly down here and get the procedure. And then also you're thinking, I can have this cheap surgery done here in the U.S. You know, these advertisements are showing these are doctors that know what they're doing. They're showing their results. You know, this is safer than, you know, say going overseas or out of the country. Like Mm -hmm. I can get it done here at a discounted price and, you know, have these same results. And, you know, you're thinking is less riskier. So in in doing this, we were wondering, you know, what organization could we shout out that I guess for us would be focusing on uplifting, you know, the self-esteem of women. And again, there's no issue in you wanting a surgery, but you should be looking into why do you want it? Um, What has maybe influenced you to wanting to get it? An organization we found was called Pretty Brown Girls. And so they are an organization that works to empower black and brown girls while encouraging self-acceptance by cultivating social, emotional, and intellectual well-being. And so their vision is to create a movement designed to instill self-confidence, pride, and leadership skills in Black and brown girls and to help propel them into positions of power and community activism. And they've been around since 2010, and they have impacted over 20,000 girls and established 116 after-school programs in 59 cities across 29 states in the U.S. And I think their mission and goal is so important because these types of places are targeting younger people. And now in, in 2021, you have more and more younger you know, adults and children on social media where you're seeing all of these things and, and you want to fit in and you, you want to sort of be on trend and unfortunately BBLs are are popular but it's so important for organizations like this where you're working with girls and you're starting as early as possible to teach them about you know sort of self-love and how to navigate this world and and self-acceptance is so important because that's where it really starts you have to really love yourself and and be true to yourself and be comfortable in who you are to then maybe not so easily be swayed to make such a major life decision based on off of, you know, what everybody else is doing. Pretty Brown Girls is is doing that work and trying to be there for girls because it's it's hard being it's hard being little black girls and, and little brown girls. Mm-hmm. So it's so important that they exist and they're continuing to grow. And you know, if you want to look into more about them or support them and donate them, we'll have their website listed in our show notes. Yeah, they're doing great work. Like they said, they have after school programs for girls from elementary, middle, and high school and different programs. They have scholarships for women. Kids are on social media at younger A's and you only see like these Instagram models, people on TikTok and they only look a certain way. Even on TV, you see people and they don't look like you. They don't look like the average kid or middle school and you think you have to live up to this image and it's like 
it's good to be around other women, other females. You know, you're going through the same thing where you can talk about these things. And also, you can aspire to be a variety of different things. Because, you know, only on social media, you know, they're showing you're saturated with women half naked or just in music or doing this. So you see other possibilities, other things that you can prescribe to. So definitely check them out if you have a young daughter or if you also want to be involved because you can set up one of these programs in a school or after school program near you just to get involved and also just to donate to their organization. Because like I said, they provide scholarship and resources to young women of color. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. We hope this story demonstrates the importance of researching doctors and any medical professionals, really, and that BBLs may be popular, but they are the most dangerous plastic surgeries being performed today. Please be cautious before going under the knife because you could end up with devastating results. If you would like to share your personal story to help bring awareness to the risk surrounding plastic surgery or BBLs in particular, please email us at distrustanddisparities at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.